This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Man, it's a great question. You know, I think that at the end of the day, both. That would be my answer. I think everybody wins, the fans the two combatants, because the reality coming into that fight was many people wanted Hamzat Shemaev tested. They wanted some questions answered, and he answered them in emphatic fashion through 58 minutes. He walked through the fire and got the decision. Now, a lot of people thought it was a bit more controversial. It was a really close fight, not a robbery either way. Gilbert Burns uh, showed up, showed a lot more durability than I think people uh, really expected from him, myself included. I thought that it was going to be another Chemayev steamroll performance, and I was happily surprised that not only did Burns really come through in a big way and give Chemayev the test that we all wanted, but that Hamzat passed it in a great way. And I think, look, the kid's young. And you, you give him a Covington, you give him somebody else, he learns, fixes, refines those tools, and you've got an absolute banger of uh, Usman versus Chemayev down the line. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ben. I think one of the things that, you know, it was great to see him answer some questions and, and definitely get tested. And now it kind of feels like the next test is, okay, what about a five-rounder? Because it's like it would be tough to ask, like going up against a guy, a champion of the quality of Usman, like you're going to jump from your first three-round decision where you, you were tested a little bit, to now you're going to have to go to even deeper waters. It feels like the next test for him is almost, hey, let's. he almost felt like the main event last week, actually making the main event for something, have the whole show around him, and, and see how he handles all that pressure. Would you think that's the, the best next step for him? Oh, completely. And if they put him against Colby, I think that that stylistic matchup, right, because wrestling cardio is so different from striking cardio. Burns, Chumaya was much more stand-up uh, than I think people anticipated. We know that Covington is really going to want to try to get that one to the ground. He's going to be shooting for the hips. Maybe same thing with Chumaya. And so I think that if if Hamzat displays that he's got proficiencies in his gas tank in both realms of mixed martial arts, I mean, that only furthers his case as a really, really challenging uh, competitor for Kamaru Usman. And like you said, yeah, if that one goes five rounds and Hamzat's keeping a great pace through all 25 minutes, it's just even more reinforcement of, uh, uh, of that guy. And, uh, man, I mean, I'm big on Hamzat Shemayev. I'm not going to lie. I was a bit questionable coming into that Burns fight, but afterwards and seeing the bromance that he's got with Darren Till, he just seems like a, a really down-to-earth guy and, you know, hey, consider me on the train. The Smesh Brothers. We've got Ben Davis here on Tapped Out. Do you think, first of all, it sounds like you're such a big Hamzad guy that you think he could beat Colby. Don't want to put words in your mouth because I think Colby would dust him for the record. Do you think that if for whatever reason the UFC said, uh, sorry, Edwards, I mean, we love you, Leon, but we really don't. We're passing you up again. It's Hamzad versus Usman. Could Hamzad win that fight right now? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, because in my mind, Kamaru Usman is pound for pound simply one of the best. And uh, to further it, one of the best at that division all time. And Shemayev displayed a couple holes in the game. And I think that a guy like Kamaru can exploit those holes a lot more than Gilbert Burns could. And they're not big holes. I'm not saying that they're glaring weaknesses um, that are, are game-changing for him moving forward. But I just think that there are things that Kamaru's seen before that uh, – 
would, would, would lead him to be a favorite. This is the champion. This is a guy who has finished these competitors and has beaten many people in that top 15. You put Shamaya versus Usman uh, right now, I'm picking Kamaru. And I think, I think that he probably finishes that fight in maybe the fourth round. Uh, ben, what is, so the other kind of guys who are on the outside of this welterweight division looking in there, their main event in tonight, Bilal Muhammad and Vicente Luque. This matchup tonight, uh, how do you like this? How, how do you see it going down? And also, what's at stake for this? Because, you know, all the talk is about, you know, Hamzad and when he's going to get the title shot, it feels like Leon is going to get the next title shot. So is there anything that could happen tonight where they can raise their hand and say, no, 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 you're forgetting about me. I deserve to be in that talk too. What, 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 how do you see this going and what do you think is on the line tonight for these two? God, it would, it would be really frustrating for one seventy if Luke comes out and makes a big statement. Cause like you just mentioned, then you got a lot of cooks in the kitchen for that potential title shot. And Leon Edwards in my mind is very passable. I would not be shocked. It would be, it would be terrible for the sport. I think if you're looking at it strictly from that sport perspective, Edwards deserves it. He's put up so many wins in a row and, um, you know, he should be the next competitor, but this is a category of sports entertainment. And I just don't think Edwards has moved the needle uh, in the fashion that Hamzat would or, um, you know, uh, Colby or, or, or uh, the winner tonight. I just don't think Leon Edwards is a great product for the UFC. And they've kind of displayed that by shelving him for so long. Um, now, the thing is, I like Bilal Muhammad here. I think Muhammad, he's at like a plus 160 dog. Um, he's strung together eight wins in a row with that no contest, no contest with Edwards. And it would be really funny for me if he just holds Luke down for 25 minutes. Now, that's not how I would prefer the fight to go, but it's like I've been fading this guy for a decent amount of time, and I keep coming up short. So at this point in time, I'm like, man, if he wins, I just hope he gets it done in the most boring way possible that upsets the most people. Let's keep talking odds. We got the Bane, Ben Davis from Verdict, joining us here on Tapped Out. When John Jones <laughs> comes back, all right, let's say that he takes on, just for the sake of this conversation, I'll throw out a name, Stipe Miocic. Do you think that John is favored in a fight like that? Or let's say for, you know, it's uh, it's in Ghana. He gets a crack when he gets back. Do you think John's the favorite against anybody if and when he comes back at heavyweight? See, I was going to expand upon that question. You just answered anybody. I don't think so. Within that top five, uh, I really do not rate John Jones uh, quite highly. I would have him at a, a, a not a steep underdog. It'd be like plus uh, north of plus 160. Uh, because I think that, you know, he'd still have a chance. We don't know what he's going to look like. But the thing is, I just don't think with his age, with the performances that he was putting up at light heavyweight before he, uh, you know, vacated the belt, I just, look, people keep saying, John Jones, pound for pound number one. John Jones, pound for pound number one. Maybe if you want to talk all time, but I'm talking current. And currently, John Bones Jones is simply not within that conversation. He was not putting up pound-for-pound pound dominant performances over guys. Uh, Diago Santos on one leg took him to a decision. Dominic Reyes took him to a split. Um, and then you look at how those guys have kind of performed post-John Jones. Now, you can make the case of, oh, John Jones did that to them, or that was just where they were at and where Jones is at. And so you take him up to 265, you put him against Stipe, Ty, Tom Aspinall, um, Volkov even I think would have a lot of success against John Jones with that length and that size. I just don't think it's in his best interest. He probably should have focused on 205. This whole 265 nonsense is uh, is not something that I think works out for John Jones long term. And clearly he's not interested in it, or else he maybe would have done it a bit sooner. How long? How long has he been gone for? Quite a while. 
No, we're talking about a long, long time. I just, I would say that he's, I mean, against Ty Tuivasa, Tom Aspinall, names like that, I think that John still has the name value where he comes in as a favorite. Maybe if it's Stipe mm-hmm. or maybe if it's the champ and Ghanu, somebody like that, I tend to agree with you. Just because the way you answered that, I'm curious your thoughts on Conor McGregor. Let's say that he comes back, and I'll throw some names out there. What if they decide that it's Poirier 4, if it's Nate 3? Do you think that Conor comes back as anything except for a big underdog? He's definitely not coming back for something that's not a, a super fight, something that is, is a in his mind, a winnable fight. And, and, and why I say his mind is because I think that there's a lot of guys at that lightweight division um, that just steamroll him. I'm not even saying once. I'm not even saying once that because a lot of people at that welterweight division get through Conor McGregor at this point in time. So my mind, if I'm Dana White, I'm looking at Nate Diaz and I'm booking the trilogy. That's Nate's last fight. You go out with a bang and then maybe you try and do some contract negotiations. Seems like Diaz isn't quite interested in extending. Uh, you know, he was he was at in Bellator on uh, Twitter trying to get on the the Hawaii card, right? So I think Diaz has got one foot out the door and the most profitable matchup you can make for both parties, McGregor uh, and, and Diaz, is that trilogy fight. McGregor's not prime. I don't think that um, he's going to be challenging for a title fairly. Fairly. right? They might put him in there, but it's not going to be fair, and he's probably not going to win. Um, so I think you should just do the Diaz fight. And then Connor. I mean, if he wants to fight, he can, but look, retirement's not terrible. That's a horrific injury. That is a career-ending injury that he suffered, and... Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and looks even worse than he did against Poirier in that uh, trilogy fight. Uh, speaking of the Bellator event, uh, Jake says that you were uh, you were there last night. Uh, what did you make of the main event, AJ McKee, who you felt got like screwed? Uh, That's what he happened. Uh, AJ McKee like, got screwed. Yeah, well, uh, not only that, but it was just uh, you know a guy who you know, was going to be their their star, their next guy. Maybe he was talking about yeah. jumping to the UFC. So. What did you think of the uh, the main event, and then what are the consequences of this of AJ McKee losing this fight last night? I, I love that you said screwed because I totally disagree. Um, I was I was their case. I was covering it for Fight Club, and it was a fantastic card outside of right those top two uh, fights. It was really tough seeing the the light heavyweight Grand Prix end in the fashion that it did. Corey Anderson, one yeah. of my favorite fighters, especially with his tenure in Bellator, right three fights, three finishes coming into this. And um, just a, a, a truly charming individual and a very, very powerful guy. And uh, that's just tough. But that main event, yeah. Here's what I saw. Cage side, Patricio Pitbull's leg kicks were the deciding factor. Uh, in round one, you saw A.J. McKee not really landing a ton of shots, a lot of inactivity from him. Pitbull was slamming that lead leg, slamming that lead leg, blitzing in, pushing McKee backwards. Those are the most significant moments. Rounds two through four, um, Two and three, especially Pitbull. Big Pitbull rounds right there, especially in round three, right? He knocks him, uh, rocks him rather, didn't knock him down, and then gets that deep guillotine. That was tight. That was very tight. You could see McKee's face, discoloration. He was uh, straining the out of it, which eventually he did. But rounds two and three, they're in Pitbull's pocket, in my opinion. Uh, Four, a bit more debatable, right? That's closer. That's similar to round one, where it's a bit more of a toss-up in the air. Uh, and round five, I'd, I'd give that to McKee. I think McKee came on a bit late. Uh, but here's the issue, and this is what Scott Coker said post-scrum. The inactivity, right, that ring rust uh, might have hurt AJ because he just didn't seem as comfortable as, as he did. And he realized after not sparking Patricio in the first 30 seconds that it's a different fight. It's a different ball game. And Patricio, and I'm, I'm going to echo Coker again, Patricio's gone to bed for the past however many months, every night thinking of A.J. McKee. He's waking up 
every night thinking of AJ McKee. I don't think AJ McKee's done the same for Pitbull. I don't think he showed. I don't think he showed him any respect. This was Pitbull's tenth consecutive Bellator main event. This is Mister Ten Times, and AJ McKee's talking about Volkanovski. AJ McKee's talking about Snickers sponsorships and driving fast cars. And look, I like AJ McKee. I really, really do. He's a young kid. He's got a fantastic uh, father um, and, and mentor and coach there, and he's got a great team. But I don't think he came into this one. Ben Davis joining us on Tapped Out. Thanks so much, Ben. We'll bring you on again. Great insight for Brendan Tobin and Jake Galley. I'm Sean Levine. You're tapped. Every Saturday, we have all your combat sports betting needs covered. Listen to Tapped Out with Sean Levine and Brendan Tobin from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, only on the BeckQL Network.